Welcome to National Parks for Kids, the podcast. Made for kids and families wanting a little more information about the national parks. I'm Jamie. And I'm Brant. Together, we will be making a podcast for each of the national parks. Brant had this idea to make the podcast while exploring the national parks of Colorado to share information and some of our favorite things to do in each park. Come adventure with us. Come adventure with us. Welcome! The national park we are going to be exploring today is... Everglades National Park in Florida! It is along the southern tip of Florida. It is over one half billion acres inside. And one of the largest wetlands in the world. Winter is a great time to visit Everglades National Park. Tim Shusher said their winter are 77 to 53 in the park. In the summer, they are 87 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit. We went in the summer when it's hurricane season. Hurricane season runs May 1st through November 15th. A hurricane is wind with 74 miles per hour and over. They're a tropical cyclone. That is some wind. Where do squirrels go in a hurricane, Mom? Ooh, I don't know. Up the trees? All over the place. Oh, poor squirrels. That joke made me think about a documentary watch called The Path of the Panther that was about a puma in southern Florida, and it detailed the effect of hurricanes on the animals that call the wetlands home. The Florida Panther was close to a station in 1950. It was attacked by the Endangered Species Act. It has recovered from... 30 panthers for 200 today. There are very few panthers in the Everglades because the elevation is only zero to a maximum of eight feet in the park. And panthers need higher upland areas to survive and find food. I remember I was at the danger species at the ranger center. Yes, Everglade has had quite the invasive species problem. Invasive species are animals that are not from there. They are non-native. Invasive species have the ability to thrive and spread aggressively outside their natural range. These invaders have a competitive advantage over the native species, often taking advantage of disturbed lands. Because non-native species typically lack natural predators, they can outcompete the native species. They can multiply unchecked, using up valuable resources such as sunlight, water, and nutrients. Native species suffer from this intense competition. One of the animals I worry about when was invasive was the Bernese python. I remember holding a 70-foot snake shed with the ranger when it was a Bernier python. Right. Over the last decade, snakes from around the world have been turning up in Everglades National Park. The Burmese python is best known and the most problematic of these snakes. Despite all the attention on these snakes, park visitors are very unlikely to see a python in the wild. Burmese pythons got in the park by accidental or intentional release of captive pets. 
Pythons eat many different kinds of animals, and studies show that pythons are probably the main reason that mammals have declined so sharply in the park. Even though pythons are large snakes, their coloring and their behavior allows them to blend into the environment. Since they are so hard to find in the wild, estimating the number of pythons is very difficult. The good news is most of the park visitors won't come across a python. In all, there are 39 native Florida species that are federally listed as threatened or endangered in Everglades National Park. Like the American crocodile and the American alligator. When visiting the Everglades, it is a highlight to see one of these special animals. We saw one on an airboat tour. On the airboat tour, that was a lot of fun. And I would recommend hopping on an airboat. In Everglades National Park, both crocodiles and alligators can be found living together. While at first glance, they may appear similar, they can be distinguished by several key differences. The American crocodile has a long, lizard-shaped body with a muscular tail and four short legs. They have grayish-green backs and tails and white to yellowish undersides. They also have a narrow triangle-shaped snout, shaped like a V. You can also see one of the bottom teeth where their mouth is closed. American alligators are darker colored with a rounder snake, shaped more like a U. So crocodiles have a V-shaped snout and alligators have a U-shaped snout. It helps you see pictures for ask your parents to look up for you. That's a great idea. It is estimated that there are 200,000 alligators and 3,000 crocodiles in the Everglades. Everglades, it's the only place where you can see crocodiles in the United States. Yes, their population declined due to hunting for their skins. They have recovered from the estimated few hundred in 1970, though. Hey, Mom, what is alligator's favorite drink? Well, I didn't even know alligators like to drink. I don't know. What is their favorite drink? Gatorade, like Gatorade. Gator, like an alligator and Gatorade the drink. I get it. I wonder what flavor of Gatorade alligators would like the most. Probably fierce melon, since they can be fierce. You are probably right. They could be fierce. Let's tell our wizards about some of the fun things to do in the park. Well, we already told them about the airboat tour. What else would you recommend? I recommend the visitor center. They showed me and told me a lot of cool stuff and information. I would also recommend stopping by a visitor center. There are four visitor centers in the Everglades, so pick the one that works for your family. We went to Shark Valley Visitor Center. We chose Shark Valley Visitor Center because they offer tram tours or bicycle renters rentals to explore the park. There are 15 miles of biking trails who are flat. Remember, the Everglade only gets up to 8 feet in elevation, so it's easy biking. There's also a tall observation tower that is great for spotting wildlife. Just book the tram tour ahead of time as they can fill up. We also saw turtles and bird species this driving around. The Everglades is home to a diverse array of wildlife. Winter is the best time to view wildlife, and if you love watching wildlife, then our next fact won't disappoint you. Everglades is home for over 360 bird species. 17 amphibians. 
50 times for reptiles, 40 species of mammals, and almost 300 species of fish. Everglades serves as a habitat for many animals, and it also provides precious resource for humans. Drinking water. One in three people from Florida get their drinking water from the Everglades. That's right. More than 8 million people get their drinking water from the Biscayne Aquifer a few feet below the Everglades. The ecosystem acts as a filter. It removes nutrients. It keeps out seawater. Yes, the Everglade wetlands are important in filtering out pollutants and absorbing any excess nutrients. They also replenish our aquifers, which provides drinking water and helps reduce flooding. Let's tell them about the different habitats of Everglades. There are nine different habitats within the park, and all can be affected by abiotic and biotic factors. Abiotic means non-living, and biotic means living. That's right. So an example of something that's abiotic or not living would be what, Brant? Like magma. Magma or rocks. And what would an example of biotic or living thing be? It would be bison, birds, bald eagle. Good. Any kind of plant or animal. The factors that can influence the ecosystems include fire, invasive species, water, storms, and climate change. The first habitat we're going to talk about is... Freshwater sloth. Which is mainly where we visited. It is the area of wetland that floods and where water flows. There are also cypress habitat, which are wetland trees and the base of this plant community. There are also pinelands, which is a endangered plant community. Pine rocklands depend on fire and only found in a small area of the world. Another habitat is hardwood hammock. It's another tree habitat in the Everglades. They have the highest elevation in the Everglades and remain dry except for the wettest years. The mangrove habitat is the largest in the Western Hemisphere. Yes, they are very important trees to our coast. They provide protection, filtration, and habitat. I studied mangrove forests in college and fell in love with them. They connect the land and sea and nature and humans. Another habitat is marine and estuaries. Uh, estuaries where saltwater, freshwater, meat, and mix. We live next to an estuary. We do. They are places that support a diverse array of light. Another habitat is coastal lowland. And the last type of habitat in the Everglades is the freshwater marl prairie. Marl prairies are on the east side of the park and are drier than freshwater sloughs. What is marl? Great question. Marl is a sedimentary rock that is earthy and rich in carbonate, clays, and silts. It's what makes up this habitat. The Everglades are more diverse than I realized, Mom. We really only saw the freshwater sloth. There is a lot to explore in the Everglades and some interesting history. The Everglades National Park became a park in 1947. President Truman dedicated an Everglades city. I 
always find it fascinating when researching that one person can have such an influence in creating a national park. For the Everglades, it was Ernest Coe. There is a visitor saying her name after him. Ernest Coe, as a young boy, grew up exploring the Everglades. He was not happy they were killing the birds and taking the native orchids. He was worried that many organisms might face extinction if nothing was done. He almost single-handedly created Everglades National Park. That's right. Another interesting story is of the Glades men. They were a group of people who live in the Everglades National Park. And they built small homes and small boats. The boats they made were called glade skiffs, and they were skinny and long. They were two feet wide and about 17 feet long. They used a large pole to push themselves through the Everglades on their skiffs. They hunted for alligators, deer, and other wildlife. Then they would sell it when they returned. Alligators, deer, turkey, rabbits, pig, fish, frog, turtles, and other wildlife were what they hunted. The glades man depended on land for survival before it became a natural park. The first people to inhabit the Everglades that we know of were the native Calusa. Archaeologists have found the shell tours and long-distance canoe trails. By the 1700s, most of the Calusa population had succumbed to disease introduced by the settlers. That is sad. That seems to happen a lot. It was a common occurrence. Diseases were brought over, which natives had never been exposed to and had no immunity for. I always like to talk about the first inhabitants of an area and honor their past. There's a lot to be learned of at all the parts. And scientists are still learning more. Yes, at Everglades, researchers are studying ecology, water, wildlife, plants, and so much more in an effort to protect this amazing national park. We hope you enjoyed learning about Everglades National Park. Thank you for joining us on National Parks for Kids, the podcast. We hope you learned some cool stuff. Join us next time. If you want to see more of our adventures, follow us on Instagram at National Parks for Kids. Check out our YouTube channel, National Parks for Kids. You can follow along and see pictures and videos of our trips to the national parks. Thanks for listening. Have fun adventuring.